0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. SG Extra, only on Money FM 89.3. Now, the Overseas Networks and Expertise, or one Pass has had Singapore talking ever since it was announced by Minister for Manpower, Tansi Ling, on August 29th. In Parliament today, Manpower Minister Dr. Tansi Ling said the ministry will carefully vet applicants for the new OnePass, with safeguards against abuse put in place as well. On SG Extra today, we're joined by Zakir Hussain, he's Singapore editor at The Straits Times, and we're going to talk about this new work pass, which is set to be the Magnet for Global Talent. Hi, Zakir. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Okay. So first of all, I think this is a question a lot of people have Mm -hmm. been asking. How do you define top talent worthy of the one pass? So I think,
1: you know, there's things like the salary benchmark, you know. Which
0: is $30,000 monthly.
1: $30,000 monthly from one employer. But at the same time, I think there's some leeway and flexibility so that if you're a top, you know, if you're in the arts of sports success and you're, you know, top talent that say you're a world-class composer, uh, you're a top athlete who wants to set up training bases here, There's some flexibility to to, to kind of, you know, fall within this range.
0: Well, what sort of job roles are we talking about, really? I mean, in the corporate world, clearly these would be C-suite personnel only.
1: Yes, I think these would be C-suite personnel. So they're, you know, leading top companies or they're they're in key global roles. Uh, Perhaps, you know, they may not be C-suite personnel directly, but they're world-class research scientists, right? World-class researchers, especially in in biomedical or highly specialized tech fields, I'd say.
0: Mm. The thing is, there were questions raised about the possibility of abuse... That's right, yeah. What would abuse look like? And then let's talk about the safeguards that are in place to prevent <laughs> it after
1: that. So I think abuse could be in the form of, say, you know, um, false declaration of salaries, which is probably still one of the most common forms of abuse. So the ministry says, you know, will the Manpower Minister uh, told Parliament they will step up checks and conduct checks. But I think the other part of it is also interesting. He says, look, they'll engage some of these um, pass holders. So, you know, they stay up to date with their professional activities and income. And I guess, in a way, it also helps engage them and ensure them that, you know, they're constantly contributing. They're not just, you know, here to, to kind of make the big bucks by being based in Singapore, but at the same time, actively contributing to the ecosystem of talent here, which mm. I think is really the, the main reason this pass is being introduced. Because you want to see knowledge and skills transfer that's take right. place, right, and, and that's very key. And how might
0: that be better operationalized, knowledge and skills transfer?
1: So it could be in the form of, of, you know, them actually training uh, local personnel. And I think that's also a key reason many of these companies want to be based here. Um, Not just that Singapore is a hub for talent from the region, but also there's a steady pool of um, highly qualified uh, local residents, you know, who could in due time be trained to take on some of these top posts.
0: Which sectors do you think the new work pass, the new work visa will likely appeal to the most? You mentioned biomedical and some tech sectors. That's right. But yeah. anything more specific that we can look at? I mean, I think it,
1: it could be, for instance, you know, if you, if you talk about biomedical research, covers a wide area, whether it's, say, vaccine development, right, or um, if you talk about nanotechnology or, or nanoengineering and, and engineers with the skills in these fields, I think those are the kind of highly specialized talent we're looking at. And I think at the same, you know, at a time when uh, other hubs around the world are also vying for their skills.
0: To what extent do you think the safeguards that have been talked about are adequate here?
1: I'd say they're fairly adequate because you don't want to at the same time treat some of the talents with suspicion, for instance, right? Or make it so onerous that uh, they might feel I might as well not come because, you know, you're not, you're not sending the signal that they're welcome and that their skills and talents are valued. So I think it's, it's, you need to kind of strike that balance as well. I think just as there are certain safeguards for other passes, you know, mm. to make sure there's no abuse, I think you don't want to go overboard with it as well.
0: The personalised pass also provides employment flexibility, so it allows eligible applicants to concurrently start, operate, and work for multiple companies in Singapore at any one time. That's right. How would this benefit the local ecosystem
1: and local workers? So I think it's 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 you know it's it's perhaps not as flexible as the as the um, one pass, but I think many of them are already in fairly highly skilled sections. May not be top tier. But I think they're already in roles where they actually are actively contributing to um, companies or the industry as a whole Yeah, They may not stay with um, one company, but, you know, uh, regardless, I mean, likely they remain in the sector, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's data, data science. And some of these skills do, you know, I, I guess the sectors here do benefit from having them here.
0: Mm. The thing is, on the surface, it all looks pretty good. But clearly, aside from the possibility of abuse, there are other points of contention here, right, when it comes to welcoming foreign talent to Singapore. Right, yeah. Go through that with us. What are the potential points of contention and conflict here?
1: So I think as we see by some of the questions and concerns MPs had raised, uh, one, one of the concerns is how you know how this would could be received for instance already you know since the announcement was made a few weeks ago you saw um, some chatter that you know are we opening our doors um, fairly wide again but i think the the question to look at really is is whether singapore as a whole benefits from having them here rather than not and I think by having, you know, in, in a way, if you look at it, SMEs, for instance, do benefit a fair bit by having some of these individuals here because, you know, they, they contribute to employment, they contribute to the um larger ecosystem, I'd say, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the government the, the government itself is, is, you know, gave the assurance that it's committed to helping, you know, groom locals to take on similar roles, um, maybe here, but maybe also abroad. Mm. And I think um, you had the Manpower Minister sort of outlining some of the schemes, like the Asian Financial Leaders scheme, as well as the new Singapore Global Executive Programme. Mm. Uh, I think we've not... You know, it's, it was announced just a few months ago at the budget. Um, but the aim is really to help local SMEs and local enterprises build a pipeline of young local talent uh, who understand the region and who can, you know, subsequently take on these uh, major roles. They may not, um, you know, and, and this does require some uh, adventure on their part, you know. Mm. They may need to work abroad, uh, maybe in not very comfortable circumstances elsewhere. But that's key to help you know to have them gain the experience and and really take on roles that that you know some of these one pass holders uh, might now be taking on
0: yeah, I think for years, people have said, executives have said as well that Singaporeans really do need to get more global exposure That's right, yeah. when it comes to work exposure, specifically. But we have to bear in mind that this is already happening to some extent. While we want to attract global talent, we are also losing our very own talent to overseas schemes. There is one in the UK, uh, which is called High Potential Individual Visa. And mm-hmm. they rolled this out in May for recent graduates of top universities including NTU and U.S. And a spokesman for the British High Commission in Singapore said its data for the second quarter of this year shows six Singaporean applicants for the scheme. So some might say you know, they're taking our top talent away. Why aren't we keeping them here? Mm -hmm. Why are we instead welcoming foreigners?
1: So how do you resolve something like that, really? I think we can't, you know, in in, in a highly globalized world, you can't avoid losing some of this talent. But I think the challenge is, how do you create the conditions such that this top talent that has moved abroad, you know, maybe to work in a top-notch lab abroad, um, because, you know, you, you couldn't get the folks here to, you know, work on these initiatives with you that could be a reason why they, why they leave. And I think Singapore needs to have this environment and atmosphere that is hospitable as well as welcoming to top talent. If, if you really want to stay ahead, it's not, you know, the competition is not about, you know, there was a fair bit of envy and talk about, you know, 30,000, but it doesn't mean that if that top talent was not here, you would fill that role. Mm. I think that role would just move somewhere else, you mm. know. And I think with the it, key is, the labs, the industries.
0: Yeah, the, the key is also to ensure that there are Singaporeans who can fill That's that right. role yeah. at some yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the long term then. We have an aging population, mm-hmm. a shrinking workforce. Some have, might say that unless we start having more babies and we continue reskilling and upskilling, we're going right. to have to import more and more foreign talent. Yeah. In all areas yeah. and all rungs
1: and types of talent. Mm-hmm. So is that something we should just accept? <laughs> I think I think that's inevitable. I think, but I think as with many of these other changes, I think you're not going to see a sudden surge or influx of, of, of uh, naturalized talent immediately. I think what you might, I think, and of course, I think the expectation and hope is that some of these one pass holders might find conditions here so conducive and welcoming that they decide to. Take the jump and you know become permanent residents and hopefully citizens in due course. That's happened with many EP holders, for mm. instance, right? But I think gradually we will. If 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 our birth numbers don't you know uh, improve, we will. I think invariably end up having to. Uh, you know, I guess take in more mm. more of these talents and, and, and make them Singaporean. And surely the government knows that it will have
0: to mention the, or rather it will have to address the resultant tensions. It will have to manage yep. those. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens. And... Usually it's a case of, you know, are they just using Singapore to make money and nothing more? So I'm guessing that there would be plans in place in the near future to at least ensure that there is some level of a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and that these talent also feel that they need to do more to assimilate.
1: I agree. And I think methods like, you know, or or, or assurances that, for instance, these talent will be constantly engaged, I think might help them... uh, feel they need to integrate or even assimilate a little more and, and hopefully choose on Singapore as their landing point rather than see this place as a stepping stone elsewhere.
0: Thanks very much for that, Zakir. Really appreciate it. Zakir Hussein, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. Thanks for joining us on Primetime.
1: To listen to more great interviews,
0: download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.